The reading this morning comes from the 28th chapter of the book of Acts. We are finally finishing the Acts sermon series, 18 weeks. 18 weeks. Okay, the next time I get talked into a sermon series, I promise I will pull the plug after six weeks. So we did three six-week sermon series. Acts, the 28th chapter, starting in the 23rd verse, hear these words. After they had set a day to meet with him, they came to him at his lodgings in great numbers. From morning until evening, he explained the matter to them, testifying to the kingdom of God and trying to convince them about Jesus, both from the law of Moses and from the prophets. Some were convinced by what he had said, while others refused to believe. So they disagreed with each other as they were leaving. Paul made one further statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people and say, you will indeed listen, but never understand. You will indeed look, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull and their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes so that they might not look with their eyes and listen with their ears and understand with their heart and turn. And I would heal them. Let it be made known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, we have arrived at that time of happy ever after. It's called the Hallmark Christmas movie session and season. And there is one, just one Hallmark Christmas movie, and you keep getting sucked into watching the same thing over and over and over again. Here's the script. Boy sees girl or girl sees boy. And there is conflict because boy is a PR person and girl owns a ranch in, in Idaho and there's no way in heck they could get together except boy's father, and I don't see how they got away with this, boy's father is actually Santa Claus and he's running a business a lot like Amazon. He delivers a lot of things on Christmas Eve, makes people happy. And we are just sitting there waiting for boy and girl to get together and there's a conflict. And boy and girl separate and we go, Oh, that's so sad. But then something marvelous, miraculous happens. The Christmas spirit lands and there's jingle bells and, and hark the herald angels sing and, and little boys and girls, angelic choirs and the boy sees the girl again and the girl sees the boy again and they come together and they smooch and there's snow. And you started watching it on Halloween and you'll watch it through to the first of the year. And you'll sit at the edge of your seat wondering, what's going to happen? And husbands, I know you're trapped into it because she's made the deal with you. She will buy you power tools for Christmas if you'll just sit there and eat popcorn and hot chocolate. I understand what's going on. 
Because what we want most in life is a happy ending. And the Hallmark Channel gives us happy ending in spades. Kissing, snow, it doesn't get any better than that. And then, on Christmas Eve, you'll sit in front of your televisions perhaps, and you'll watch It's a Wonderful Life. And there, at the final scene of It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey and all his friends from Bedford Falls come to the house, and his brother comes in from the military, and they give the money that rescues George and the savings and loan, and and the, the bell rings, and George's little daughter says, Daddy, when the bell rings, an angel gets their wings, and George looks up and says, Thank you, Clarence. And we go... Oh, that was so good. Oh, somebody give me some eggnog quick. It was wonderful. Oh, my heart's filled with the Christmas spirit. When the movie came out in the 1940s, and I think it was 46, could have been 47, but some of you with phones will look it up and you will, you will correct me before I finish my sermon. When it came out in the 40s, it was basically a flop. It cost $6.2 million to make, and it didn't make the money put into it. Critics panned it. They didn't like it. They said it was syrupy, and who would believe all this fall to raw? And the movie set in obscurity until about 1974 when it fell into the public domain which meant NBC, ABC, CBS, TNT, ESPN, if they wanted it, could get a hold of the movie and they could show it without sending all this horrible big money to the producers. And they thought, free movie. And they started showing it. And what happened? We fell in love with it. Why? Happy ending. We love a happy ending. We we. We want everything wrapped up all nicely, neat. We want the boy to get the girl, the girl to get the boy. We want it to snow. We want there to be a a kiss. We want happily ever after. And so, Luke, we've been studying you for 18 weeks. You are a marvelous author. You, You wrote your gospel to Theophilus. Oh, my friend Theophilus, here's the story of Jesus. And and Acts is the second part of the novel. Oh, Theophilus, here's what the work of the Holy Spirit continued to do after Jesus. And you get to the 28th chapter of Luke, uh, of, of Acts and Luke, this is how you end it. He lived two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Where's the happy ending? What happened to Paul? What happened to Barnabas? What happened to all these people? Well, we know what happened to Paul because Paul tells us in very powerful poetic imagery. Here's how Paul puts it. As for me, I'm already being poured out as a libation, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Man, those those are words where it's resolved. It's not a happy ending, but it's resolved. We understand that, that 
there's comfort in these words that Paul appears to be comfortable where he is in Jesus Christ. There's inspiration in these words. I've fought a good fight. I've kept the faith. I've finished the race. There's resolution here. Everything a good ending is supposed to have, we've got it with the Apostle Paul talking about the end of his life. But Luke, come on. He lived two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, oh, with all boldness and without hindrance. What are you doing, Luke? What are you doing? Why is it unresolved? Why, why don't you finish your book, dude? You quit. You quit in the 28th chapter, the 31st verse. Why did you do that, Luke? Maybe Luke's telling us something important. Maybe life's like the book of Acts. It's never finished. Some things in our lives are never resolved. Some conflicts we just can't fix. Things are broken and they're going to stay broken. Maybe we need to learn that life has that, that, that rough, unfinished hewn, that life is not the hallmark channel, or maybe Luke's making another point. And there is a movement out in the church. It's called the Acts 29 movement, and what it says is that you and I are finishing the book of Acts, that each generation has added their own history to the book of Acts, and that you and I, as we live out our faith, are moving the narrative of Jesus Christ along. We're moving the story of church history along. We're doing our part to write the story. If someone could let me come back and do what I wanted, or somebody let me do what I wanted to do, I would go out in history 500 years and read the history of the Christian church in, say, this 100-year span from, let's, let's do it from 1950 to 2050. I want to know how we operate in the world in which the fastest-growing religious group in North America are the nuns, followed by the duns. I want to know how we're going to move the narrative forward given that our culture is rapidly becoming antithetical to the gospel of Jesus Christ and hostile to the church and what the church stands for. I want to know how we move the narrative along as you and I live out our faith in Jesus Christ, following Jesus in a hostile world. I want to come back and see how we do with the story. Because the story of Jesus is not done. Yeah, it was a holiday this, this week. We had a, that little event at the church uh, Sunday night, trunk or treat. Some of you got my costume. I was a tennis shoe. I believe in being consistent. I was a tennis shoe. And at the end of um, trunk or treat, Something happened. You guys go ahead and put the go ahead and put the picture up. There he is. Just leave the picture for a minute. The girls were walking around with this this with this guy. They were saying, 
They told me the story of what happened that a lady came to a trunk retreat and her goal was to get rid of the puppy. So she gave the puppy to a group of teenage girls who immediately did what I think she knew the group of teenage girls would do. They started calling their dads. Dad, can we have a puppy? And do you know what the answer was? No. They were walking around to people at, at Trunk or Treat. Do you want a puppy? Do you know what the answer was? No. So they came to the preacher because some dad, and I'm going to find out who you are, said, take the puppy to the preacher. He'll take it. Now, what are you going to do as a preacher? Come on, you got some of your young people and you want to be an example for Jesus Christ and you want to show them the love and compassion of God. And they said, our dad said, take the puppy. I'm going to take the puppy. It was every time I rescue a dog, and I've rescued a lot of them, I'm reminded that God rescued me. I was broken down in the ditches of life, and Jesus Christ gave his life for me, and he rescued me, and he lifted me up out of the ditch. And he has loved me and walked with me and blessed me. So I wanted to be a blessing to the puppy. So since I've rescued so many dogs, I know what to do. I went to Walmart. I got the little dog a little doggy carrier. I got the little dog a little bed that I stuffed in the doggy carrier. I got the dog some doggy toys that the doggy could play with. I got the dog um, doggy puppy food and went home. Now in my house are two dogs, Rolo and Chester. Rolo is 50% pit bull. Chester is 80% pit bull. And I have a three and a half pound puppy. And I thought, oh Lord, protect thou this puppy. Because I've got to introduce the puppy to the dogs that live at the house. Because it appears though, Lord, it's your will for me to have a puppy. Took the puppy to the backyard, put the puppy down where I could dive on the puppy if I needed to save it. And those two big dogs just... You know how a dog will bow down when it wants to play with something? They both bowed to this little puppy. And they were trying to figure out in their big dog world how to play with this cute little puppy. So I fed the puppy. Puppy went back outside to recycle the food, brought the puppy back in, got the puppy ready for bed, and I stuffed the puppy carrier under my night table. Put the puppy in it. Puppy fell asleep. I fell asleep. We slept peacefully. Except in the morning, I woke up and the puppy was right here against my shoulder. And I'm still trying to figure out how that dog did that because I didn't open the puppy carrier. Anyway, I took the puppy to Sexton's and I said, got this puppy. I need puppy check and check on the puppy. Do whatever you do for the puppy. Tell me how old the puppy is. And they said, what's the puppy name, puppy's name? And I said, dog number three. Are you going to keep this dog? I said, dog number three, if I keep this dog to the end of the day, the dog's name will be Nick Saban. So I found out the dog is about five or six weeks old. He was so young they couldn't do any of the vaccinations. But the story of the dog is a story of us. It's a narrative that gets moved forward. 
It's a narrative in which God finds his way to twist the story in accordance with his will, to twist the story so that people will be blessed, so that people can find peace and life and wholeness. That's what I want to come back to. I want to find out on this All Saints Day, this day we remember all the saints we have named. I want to see how we carry forth their story. I knew so many of these people. Russell Davis, I've pastored twice. I've, I've, Raleigh and I have played tons of golf together. Uh, Shannon was a witness to Jesus Christ in her life and in the way she died, the way she faced it. Um, Mr. Whitaker, I got to talk to about faith in Jesus Christ and baptize him. Ernest Young, I was one of the victims of Ernest. I couldn't tell Ernest no. My story got moved forward because of these people that I had interaction with, these saints of the church, these people that we named, because what we discovered in them is grace flowed through them, grace flowed through them to us, and as grace flowed through us, it altered it changed the trajectory of our lives. Put dog number three back on the screen. Here, puppy. So it's Monday, and I go pick up dog number three, take dog number three home. I feed him. I'm kind of petting on him, and the dogs are trying to play on him, and I'm looking at my phone. I get this text from Stephanie. Stephanie was my secretary down in Natchitoches, and she went, and she's now Mercer's secretary at First Methodist in Monroe, and Stephanie texts me, and she said, how's Wesley? Well, John Wesley's fine, thank you very much. Uh, he went on to glory. No, how's Wesley the dog? Who's Wesley the dog? She said, the puppy. How's the puppy? I said, the puppy's fine. She said, are you going to keep the puppy? I said, do you want the puppy? She said, yes. I need him for Darren. I said, what's going on with Darren? Darren's Stephanie's husband. Darren has stage three throat cancer. And he's got to undergo a lot of radiation and a lot of chemotherapy. And he may have to have extensive surgery. And Stephanie said, Darren needs a therapy dog. wish I could show you the picture I have of Darren asleep in his chair and Wesley asleep on him. A person we may never see again came to Trinity to an event called Trunk or Treat to dump a puppy. And some of you had contact with the puppy. And some of you told your children to call the preacher so I would have contact with the puppy. 
God had a plan for the puppy. God knew that a friend of mine named Darren would need love and comfort and something to remind him of God's great love in Christ Jesus. Just like God knew in your life you would need some of the saints of the church. But here's the fun part. God knows that some of the future saints of the church need you because they don't know Jesus yet. And they will discover Jesus through your love, through your grace, and through you moving the narrative forward as we live out together the 29th chapter of the book of Acts. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Podcast. To find out more about Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityreston.org.